0: Salutations and welcome to another episode of the Native Immigrants. I'm your host Swami Barakas and as always I'm joined by my co-host Jojo underscore B. What's going on Jojo B?
1: Hello. How's it going? Yeah, all right. Just uh, listening to the beautiful sounds of the crazy people downstairs.
0: Yeah, I never thought I'd actually say this, but I actually miss Miku. Yes. Uh, for new listeners who haven't got a clue what we're talking about or who a Miku is, Miku was uh, a young little uh, podling uh, that lived downstairs. A podling? Um, yeah, a young, a young uh, sprog that lived downstairs. Um, and he used to piss us off um, at no ends, basically, at all times of the night. And he was throughout a baby the day. that
1: screamed and we have since was learned that. Yes, he was he, was, he was a baby? Yes, he was a little baby when they first moved in and he screamed and screamed and screamed. And then we learned when we had our own child that screamed and screamed and screamed that that's just what they did. That's a generic sound. Yeah. The
0: generic sound of a young Asian child is screaming through the day and all night. Um, so yeah, he endlessly basically throughout the whole day, basically getting on our nerves And I guess the the adage is you'll never really know until your parents yourselves of what young children are actually truly like.
1: At the same time, he's not Miko wasn't my child, so I didn't have to like him or deal with it. Mm. Whereas Ah baba, yes, he makes a lot of noise, but I love him very much, and I get to smush his face, and so I can deal with his noise.
0: But he does get on our tits every now and then. Oh God, yes,
1: I constantly go. You're a very annoying child with a very annoying noise, to my son. Mm. But I just Sorry, I
0: just use, sorry, I just, I just used the the um, the metaphor of getting on our tits, and I just realised that's the one thing he didn't do with you. Was <laughs> get on <laughs> my tit. Yeah. Yes, that's true. You would latch.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So yeah, they are irritating at the best of times, but now we've got new neighbours who are actually now even worse
1: because they are even louder than the previous tenants who were a gujarati family yeah and you
0: the, would cuss them throughout the entire yeah, season one and she, half of season yeah, two
1: because you would just scream when she was she was obviously on the phone because there'd be never anybody responding back and so she'd just be like screaming at the top of her voice on the phone and i and like and literally like she'd be arguing with someone mm. constantly on the phone and it was very annoying because i was very sick at the time yeah. i was ill i was pregnant and it was just really not what i wanted to listen to and now these people downstairs, there's just a million of them. Mm. I don't know. I don't know how many people actually live there and how many people come and go, which they're not meant to do because it's fucking lockdown. Yes. Right. But they come and go as they please and they make a lot of noise.
0: Yeah, social distancing is something that they clearly hasn't computed with uh, our friends downstairs. Um, because yeah, they turn up like we just talking a little while ago, the whole kutum turns up, you know, the whole Khandan basically. Yeah. <laughs> turns up basically through the week and over the weekends. And so, you know, here's me not allowed to see my parents and, you know, go spend some time with them and you with yours, um, trying to adhere to this, you know, current guidelines. And there's umpteen number of people not just in our building, but across the whole street, who are just like, you know, treating this as one big jolly and kind of having barbecues through the week downstairs. (sighs) <sighs> it's a madness, um, but yeah, the, suddenly I start to miss Miku in his, you know, crazy ways.
1: Better the devil you know.
0: Better the devil you know. Yes, indeed. Um, but we are back after a couple of weeks' break, which um, was kind of it ended up being slightly last minute for us. Uh, it's not something that we really it planned. It's just
1: a one-week break.
0: But a week break is what we do. We do things week by week, so it's a couple of weeks since our last show.
1: Okay. Yes, it is. fuck's sake.
0: <laughs> um well that you what your <laughs> brain is melted what, well brains melting is pretty much the reason why we had to take a little bit of a break because you know both of us were quite run down um this we thing, just
1: were really like yeah just tired really I tired, tired, tired. I can do a show tired. And, no, tired but like, it's like excuse. a different level of tired, though, isn't it? And also, we really didn't like each other at that point either.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> I think it also became, it came to a point of like, you know, like being exhausted brings out the worst in Jojo B. And you, um, bugger and off. So, the same. Hence the tired reason. or
1: hungry brings out the worst in both of us.
0: You know, for the two, three years now, Jojo B has been exhausted. Hence, you've not seen the best side of her through all the last I'd say what, thirty now or just
1: I I've just been mediocre the whole time.
0: I mean that's not my words, but thank, you off. know but at least you acknowledged it. You've you've accepted it Everyone and knows accepted the responsibility. Of the show. Um, but yeah, we just, you know, it ended up being a case of doing these weekly shows and having guests for the last few shows and the editing and the, you know, organization that comes with Technical it. Technical issues. Technical Internet issues. Internet not working. Yeah. It the just...
1: sound going a bit wrong here and there. Yep.
0: Yep. You don't all hear all this stuff. stuff. Things that I do to ensure this show goes out to the best possible quality And
1: it's all him in that aspect. I just cannot be bothered to... Do this podcast. I know.
0: <laughs> it's true. <And laughs> I've <this is laughs> <what laughs> been like, saying you know.
1: Let's like, edit it all together and make it... So I'm just like, let's just put it it's out. And if true. I say, oh, um, uh, and I say bollocks, then it doesn't make a difference.
0: That's the, this, the reason why people love this show <laughs> is down to the fact that it's a good quality you know, show with professional standards only because i ensure that that's how it comes across jojo B's like if we just like you know just do it in a couple let's just get a couple of tins let's just put a string in between it <laughs> and let's just throw it to the next person we see in the street and let's just interview him and do fuck kids, it put that put that thing
1: out do kids still do that with the tins and the string
0: but these are the days before mobile phones now you can just put a fucking couple of mobiles and put a string in between that because what kids <laughs> use instead I'm sure. I'm sure. Like our bubs in the next couple of years is going to be like demanding a fucking like I iPhone. Mean, he, whatever is going to be. 13, he already wants or
1: our phone. This is it. But he uses anything as a pretend phone. It's hilarious. He has this like, <laughs> he has this little um, guitar like an electric guitar thing, and it's huge. And um, he puts it to his ear like Dom jolly, puts yeah. it to his <laughs> yeah. and he just goes, Daddy, Daddy. <laughs> 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 daddy, because yeah. he talks to daddy on the phone.
0: This is the, thing, the visual image. It's it's kind of the equivalent because of his size and the size of the guitar. It'd be almost equivalent of like you know me picking up like a fucking tractor across the side of my head, um and like so
1: cute. It's honestly just...
0: cute and just yeah, just all kinds of wrong. Um, but you know he's learning, but he's becoming a bit of a technophobe and So we've got to kind of curb that enthusiasm. Technophobe,
1: post- technophile.
0: Was it, a it technophobe then?
1: was someone who's scared of technology.
0: What? Yeah, you can be quite scared of it. I put the you know the vacuum on the other day, and he starts shitting his pants when it was on. No,
1: but he loves it now. Yeah, now. And he also has... that guitar is also used as a pretend vacuum. So if we're like over <laughs> in the floor, he just starts like scraping. I've it already along said the floor. he's
0: going to be a good maid when he grows up.
1: He loves tidying. Mm. I've got like a really good child. he likes things. He'll just hand me things. Like, mommy, put this needs to be put away now. Mm-hmm. Come on, do your work job.
0: If only Jojo B thought the same. You need to get some. You need to get him to inspire you to keep our place tidy as much as I, I and he does.
1: No, it's not come from you. That tidying gene has come from my mum. It skipped a generation, a generation with me. <laughs> yeah. and it's gone to him, and Fucking yeah, great. he's just like my mum. It's great. I think about it. When he's older, he'll do all the cleaning.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. We're gonna be like all like feet up on the sofas and stuff, while he's like waiting like, but, us hand and foot. The- Dustin What was what is there any other reason to have a child? <laughs> How is there any other joy in having a child if not for them to be your knocker at some point?
1: Mate, I grew up every Sunday I had to make sure our house was spotless before Mom came home from the shop. Standard. Otherwise I got told off like no one's business. Standard. Every fucking Sunday I had to and what I'd learnt to do was speed clean. So I'd get up at like 11 o'clock in the morning. Mum and Dad close the shop at 1 on Sundays. And so I'd clean for two hours really, really fast. And Mom would be like, oh, it's nicely done.
0: I can imagine you doing that. You know to the sounds of the Benny Hill music in the background?
1: No, to the Dream Team that
0: used to be on uh, Radio 1 back in those days. Oh, my days. In garage. Yeah, UKG. Yeah. Um, But yeah, we did take a little bit of a break. Um, And we've come back fully recharged. And in the second half of the show, we're going to be talking about representation on television with the British Asian community. But before that, in the past couple of weeks, Jojo there's been a couple of big things that have happened to raise awareness for two key issues that are very personal to you. Do you care
1: to discuss them? Yeah, um, so last week was Hyperemesis Awareness Day. You might have heard one of our previous shows talking about my experience with having hyperemesis gravidarum while I was pregnant, which is extreme pregnancy sickness and nausea. Um, it's not morning sickness yes indeed uh, it's pretty severe um so every every may the 15th there is um there's international high premises gravidarum awareness day and there's loads of, of things that uh, events that happen and specifically in the uk there is a a charity called pregnancy sickness support who are there to help women who are dealing with extreme something
0: you didn't do with you
1: Get with, on uh, my uh, yeah. yes that's true Yeah, you know, further children and understanding medication and and getting help in terms of mental health help as well. So, if you are experiencing experiencing those symptoms um, and you are feeling very very sick and you're not getting anywhere with your GP, get in touch with pregnancy sickness support and they will give you all the information that they have. I use their website a lot while I was sick. It's very very helpful. Um, Also on May the 15th a film called sick mm-hmm. was released I, I watched it on the day in a with a fb a Facebook live event with the director Yep. um and it's all about what it's like to suffer from high premises so the um the lady hosting it is a, a sufferer herself she suffered from it during her pregnancy she talks to other people going through it um and the breadth of it and the kind of the scale of what happens is insane yeah. like the women the things that they're going through are horrific um and i identified with loads of it that everything that she said that she went through during her own pregnancy i you know those thoughts went through my head there's lots of medical information about the research that's going on there's very little research that happens but yeah. there is some research finally happening at cambridge university um and the findings behind that and you know, and the comparisons that they make they I won't give away too much, but there is a comparison to cancer sufferers and what happens in your body when you have high premises versus what happens to your body when you are suffering from cancer and the the sickness that you feel during that period. yeah it just blows your mind basically, and you've seen it as well
0: I have yeah, so I decided to do the amazing husbandly thing of watching this with you um because well, you
1: went through it with me You'd did, had to, yeah. you had to kind of take me to the hospital all those times and you had to sit there with me yeah. in A&E while I was throwing up into a little kidney shaped little bowl yeah, yeah. you know in, in in A&E and and you know having to wait to be given a drip every but like every day but it was every few weeks that I was I was in hospital through, yeah. through our pregnancy so you were there through it and I think you know it was important for you to watch it as well
0: no it was and it was a real a real eye-opener obviously it's one thing kind of experiencing it when it's uh the two of you as a couple but when you see the stories from a lot of the women that are enduring exactly the same thing um some ranging from like milder symptoms of it to like real extreme symptoms um and there's a lady in
1: it who hasn't she hadn't eaten a meal like an actual physical meal for thirty two
0: weeks yeah unbelievable she
1: was thirty two weeks she was i think a bit more than thirty two weeks pregnant, but she hadn't actually eaten any food for thirty two yeah. weeks
0: yeah, everything was intravenous with her, and you know the women that were vomiting up blood and it honestly it, it it's a real harrowing experience for for any woman who has hyperemesis through her pregnancy and um that documentary just hopefully raises a li- little bit more awareness not just with the everyday public but also with, you know, with the the doctors and nurses, you know, some of whom may not necessarily take it as seriously as they should. And it leads to some really severe cases with women.
1: Yeah. And there's, you know, a lot of insensitivity. When you're pregnant, you're very um, sensitive anyway. Mm. But when you are that severely sick, but being made to feel like you're just not coping very well with something that all women go through, which is not true. Because hyperemesis is another level of awful. Um, and not every woman goes through it. It is not morning sickness. It's not the same thing. You cannot eat. You cannot function. You are bedbound. And it is horrific. Um, and you're isolated. So I have plenty of experience of isolating. Yeah. In fact, this is probably my third summer where I'm not really going out very much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, obviously know?
0: taken out of your hands though, but still. Yeah
1: but you know like i've had i've had plenty of practice mm. of staying in and it started when i was pregnant um so yeah i think this is a a real eye opening film for people who don't know what it's about and it also and a really i find it really reassuring to know what i went through mm. wasn't just something that i went through on my own that like other women go through it and they had the same thoughts as i had so you yeah. know um there's a really harrowing um statistic that 20 percent of high premises sufferers will terminate their pregnancy because it's so horrific to go through and they can't carry on with it they feel like they can't carry on with it um so yeah like it's it's those things that had gone through my mind other women they also have those things going through their minds um and it was it was nice for me to kind of see where i had been Mm. the way that i had been and where i am now and i'm in a much better place than i was then Mm -hmm. um which you know which is quite nice for me to kind of understand that things do get better and if you're if you're going through it right now you you will come out the other end of it and you will be fine and it will be it will get better. You may have, as I have, mental health scars afterwards that you have to deal with with trauma and things like that. But with help, you can get over those as well. And you can come out and be in a much better place. If you want to watch a documentary, it's 30 minutes long, so it's not very long. Um and it's available to watch for free on www.thesickfilm.co.uk.
0: Excellent. Yeah, I I encourage everyone to to watch this um piece because it's a, it's a massive eye-opener. It certainly was for me. And, you know, it's a, it's a real issue that's, that seems to be a lot more common than reported. But you mentioned there about mental health. Yeah. And it brings us on to something that's happening this week.
1: I think this is probably more relevant and more important now more than ever. Um, this, it's Mental Health Awareness Week this week. It runs from the 18th to the 24th um, and there's lots of charities getting involved, trying to kind of get us to talk more, be more open about our mental health, um, be aware of of mindfulness and try and take part in some mental mindfulness exercises um, and just try and make it okay to talk about how you feel. The theme of it is kindness this year, which I think is a perfect theme to have at the moment uh, kindness is it seems to be everywhere at the moment everyone's trying to be as kind as they can to their neighbours and and stuff but there is you know you see on social media there is the tide is turning slightly and the people are starting to get a little bit uh, less kind shall we say and there have been some kind of horrible stories out there as well so it's just a reminder that we all still need to be kind to each other no matter how we're feeling doing this lockdown mm. um and you know reach out as well reach out to people who might be suffering who might be you know alone or isolated and you know al- isolated on their own rather than with loved ones yeah Who exactly. might need a bit of a chat and who might just need to have somebody to open up to
0: yeah i think even at, at the at the worst of times you know mental health becomes a, a a much bigger issue, because so many people are suffering from it, and now more than ever, where you know we're living in the world of unknown um and normality's literally been thrown out of the window, yeah, and so for people that suffer on a on a normal basis, it just gets heightened that much more, and so you know now is a time more than ever to not only you know support you know and and connect with the the people and Um, and loved ones and and fellow man that you know that are going through something like this with mental health. Um, But yeah, it just, it, it raises awareness that much more as well at the same time. And I feel that if we can all play our part into helping each other out through this process, then we'll get through the other side relatively unscathed. You know, it's going to change society going forward, I think as a whole anyway. But you know, for those people that are, that were normally suffering, um, that are going through you know probably tenfold currently with with everything that's going on you know it's it's um, you know it's a good time to to reflect back and, and help and support those people more than ever.
1: Absolutely and I think that you know obviously like as someone who suffers from anxiety I find that routine as soon as your routine is um, disrupted in any way it can um, push you back to feeling that anxiety and to feeling kind of la- that lack of control yeah um which increases anxiety within you um so yes a lot of people's routines and they and a lot of people heavily re- l- rely on a very set routine those people will be very much suffering right now but mm-hmm. also let's not forget all those people who work on the front line at the moment Yeah, exactly. you know those people the doctors and nurses who are and the people who are sitting at home who have relatives and loved ones who are in hospital that they can't see you know those people are going to be not only grieving but potentially suffering from trauma and and that's something that will be a long-term thing to kind of get over but in the meantime in the short term the small things that we can do is reach out to those people and, and see if they're doing okay and if they need a shoulder to cry on or a chat you know try and be there for the people that who you know that might be in that position.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And you know, not just that people are stuck at home, but you know, in a negative way, you know, we spoke a few weeks ago about domestic abuse and, yep. you know, heightened more than ever, there's no escape for so many, you know, sufferers. Yeah. Um, And so that can have a massive impact on your mental health as well. And so, you know, all in all, it's a period right now, which, you know, for people that are suffering is the gravity of it is, is immense. Um, and so, you know, this is obviously a week to raise awareness, but let's not ensure that it's just this week that we look out and, and support and, um, you know, touch base with all our friends and loved ones that are going through similar issues. You know, let's ensure that this is something that's all year round, regardless of if we're in a lockdown or not.
1: Yeah. And the theme of kindness should just be the theme of life. Quite yeah. frankly, so um, yeah. Don't think that you're just gonna have to be kind this week, and then you can be nasty the the week after. You have yeah, to you have sure to continue that. to be kind, and remember that kindness and that if you're kind to someone, that kindness might be repaid at some point when you need it as well.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Well, that's enough from the first half of this show. When we're back on the other side, we're gonna be discussing representation on television for the British Asian community, and we ask. Are we being represented enough? And if not, how do we want to be represented on television? See you on the other side, people. Welcome back to the second half of the Native Immigrants. I'm Swami Barakas.
1: And I'm Jojo B.
0: And we've had guests for the last uh, two episodes, but I think we need to get back to the juice, the juicy hot topics of the juiciest kind on this juicy show of juicy galactic, juicy proportions. It's juicy. We would like to keep things nice and juicy on this show and, so- and moist. <laughs> moist
1: (laughs) moist i hate that word yeah moist
0: moist is uh is definitely not an adjective that i would describe for this next topic of agenda um but you know each their own fam (laughs) jimmy whatever gets you off um so this is something we've spoken on previous shows and when i say spoken I've like umpteen number of times on previous shows. It was actually uh, something that we spoke about at length on episode two, all the way back in season one, when we spoke about uh, Asians in British pop culture. And one of those sections of the show was about television, and how we're being represented at that time, which was two years ago, two years later, representation on TV for the British Asian community. How far have we come? Have we, in fact, come far at all? Uh, and if we haven't, why not? And if we have, how do we want to be represented on television ourselves? A lot to digest there with a number of different there's, questions.
1: There's a lot of questions there.
0: Yeah. I, well, look, the, the easiest way is, are we being represented on TV right now? The simple answer is no. That's the easy answer.
1: Yeah. There's there's discussion, there's discussion to come about this, Yeah, There is
0: discussion to come, yeah. Yeah. And obviously, this has stemmed from the recent Netflix show, Never Have I Ever, devised by Mindy Kaelin. Not obviously specifically British Asian, Mm -hmm. but obviously, you know, from the subcontinent, you know, derived from culturally... It's about the diaspora the diaspora yeah and obviously it's a massive show it was number one on netflix for a, a little while
1: across like every single country <laughs> yeah across
0: all countries um and obviously because of that you know our community decided to chime in on it and give us their thoughts a lot of controversy. Um, now, you spoke about this a few weeks ago on an episode. I did. At length. Yep. Uh, so listen back on that particular show. Uh, I would say
1: at length. I had a little rant.
0: You had a little rant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hadn't actually watched the show at that point. So, you know, I was just going to let you kind of roam free and kind of, you know, tell people what you thought about this show. You know, and I, I stayed silent. I kind of bided my time on the side, just eating popcorn while you were going through this until i got a chance to watch the show myself
1: we've been to it in a day
0: i you know i thought you know what? because i thought let me let me get the whole thing done in one go rather than doing the whole week by week thing so i've got an entire gist of what the whole show is about in kind of one sitting it's easy enough there are only half an hour episodes here and there so it's easy enough to kind of get through you know very very quickly what are you doing?
1: I'm sorry, my shoulders really hurt. didn't fucking did. threw me
0: off so much. <laughs> it's some weird kind of lava lamp effect fucking going on on one side of the room, like trying to fucking seduce me or some bullshit. I
1: did. This is not seduction. I did a workout this morning. And you know that like the, the, the stiffening of the muscles is setting in. And so I'm just trying to move my shoulders a oh. bit. <laughs> it's really like, you know
0: the way fucking Phoebe tries to uh, seduce Chandler in that one episode of Friends. It was like that kind of weird shit just yeah. there.
1: Everything that I do is irritating him at the moment. So yeah. it is what it is. I'm going to keep doing my kind of wavy arm dance just so that I... I want
0: to look away from you, all right? Because this is the only way I'm going to keep serious during this hot topic of agenda that we need to address. But yeah. obviously, because you need to come out on top on this particular argument, you're going to find ways to throw me off. I don't need to
1: do like, tricks to kind of put you off. I have good, a good, solid argument, so it's fine.
0: All right, well, argue away as we decide to dissect this massive topic of agenda, representation or the Asian community on television. Now, let's, let's take a brief history about Asians on British TV. So we've got to go all the way back to 1965, the first time we ever really saw an Asian television program. And that was called Apna he Gar Samajir, which means consider yourself at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was on Sunday mornings and just kind of, it was more aimed at sort of the first generation coming over and integrating into the UK. So kind of tackling some of the whole U- things that are happening in UK culture and stuff at the time to make them feel more at home. Um, three years after that was a show called Ne Zindagi Ne Ajeevan. And that was more a cultural show. And it had actors and musicians on there. And it was, I guess it was the first proper show that was dedicated to the arts, uh, for Asians.
1: Like the pre-network east.
0: Pre-pre-network east. This okay. was specifically like kind of, you know, real um, you know, they had like actors and and musicians and stuff at the time. I think Amitabh was on there as well once wow. at some t- at some point. Um but then we got to fast forward all the way to 1982 for a show called Asian Magazine. Now, this was the first show that was really aimed at British born generations. So, you know, there's a mix of Hindi and a mix of English on there. And so you could kind of aim it at the whole family. Um, still really cultural, but, you know, it had kind of still had artists and actors and sports people and politicians from India doing most of the kind of talking as the guests. Right. Okay. So it was only up until when Network E started. And that was really aimed at our generation. Well, not our generation, but the equivalent of that, basically, at that time, you know, the the second generation, which was much more English. It was much more like pop culture, um, you know. And with the end of Asian Magazine, it was the last real time where shows were really aimed at that first generation of migrants. Because those shows were in Hindi as well. Oh, okay. So now you had Network East, which is predominantly an English show. And was very much aimed at that young generation.
1: They were, that was aimed at our kind of like cool, hip, young aunties and uncles. Yeah, you look have. at, think
0: about all the people that are in like barging the beach and shit, you know, the yeah. young crowd then. Yeah. And it then was, we kind
1: of caught the end of that as well towards yeah, the end we Yeah, I guess it, we, we like, were kids
0: around, around the same time period. Yeah. And so, you know, it was, it was, we people were watching these things as, as a family, you know, by that point. And it was, you know, crowding around on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning, normally that time, um, you know, Network East was on. And then by the time we get to like the late 80s, early 90s, you know, that era with Bollywood of Bust, it was on as well at the same time, those kind there of shows. was that
1: drama as well, that kind of soap opera that used to come on, and I think it was on Sunday mornings or Sunday afternoons. Yeah, I can never and remember. It always used called. to show Spaghetti Junction. Spaghetti Junction, yeah. And I, I can't do remember. Do you know, what it was we've called. mentioned
0: this on a previous show in the past. It and say and at Jeffrey the time in it. We've completely forgotten what it was called then. <laughs> we've still for- fucking forgotten what the show's called now.
1: It's say Jeffrey. Don't tell in us it. we
0: don't do our research, people. It was great. No, it was, it was good. It, it was good television. And
1: you'd had like Mother Jeffrey doing her cooking cookery on TV shows. And
0: yeah, stuff. exactly. Her yeah. cookery bits and stuff. There was always kind of like some kind of shows with Asian actors in them. So I'll
1: be saying that the nineties, late eighties and nineties was a better time for us potentially.
0: Yeah, because you almost had a whole. This is mainstream daytime t- like prime slots that our shows were being showcased on yeah so you watch like right now what's on saturday mornings it's pretty much like saturday kitchen on bbc um there's got another cooking show on bbc2 um there'll be another cooking show on itv little cooking on the saturday mornings isn't it, I love um, it. but at that point on bbc2 you would predominantly have a whole morning's worth of asian shows you know and for a prolonged period of time and so That that is really is basically the peak of our era when it comes to Asian representation on television, because we haven't really seen the likes of it ever since we've had like dotted around shows here and there, which we we can talk about and discuss if we wanted to, but there's never been like a, a period of like a whole slot dedicated to our culture.
1: There's good times in the 90s. We had Goodness Gracious Me, is the obvious one from the 90s. Yeah,
0: once by the time we got to like the mid and late 90s, then you know the rise of kind of Asian comedy, um, you know, came into the fore. And I guess Goodness Gracious Me was obviously the, the pin, the pivotal pinpoint of that. But I was, even that sort of stemmed off from like Real McCoy, where you still had people like Gear and Mira Sile yeah. in there and stuff. So, you know, there was, and that was. Already trend setting at the time, and so goodness gracious me, I guess just kind of spun off and piloted off in, into a whole stratosphere from that. Um, and since then, you've had like countless other little Asian. Obviously, the rise of the Asian comedian. Um, you know, since then, people like obviously Paul Chowdhury and um, Nish Kumar and Ramesh Ranganathan and people like that yeah. in the last kind of ten to fifteen years. But we've always normally had some kind of representation in all the big major soaps as well here in the UK. Yeah. So from Eastenders all the way to Holyoaks, to Emmerdale to Corrie across the gamut mm-hmm. there's always been one or a few Asian people in it representation families or individuals. Yeah. So it is showcasing the diversity in you know the society basically in those pockets of the UK where these shows are you know filmed.
1: Yeah, that's true and Where we've, aside from soaps, where there's been some kind of slack in the last few years, the American shows have kind of kicked in. So we've had, like, Big Bang Theory. You've got Raj from Big Bang Bang Theory. You've got a Mindy Project. Um, And before that, she was in The Office as well. Of course, yeah. Um, And you've got... Master of None. Master of None. And you've got uh, New Girl.
0: Yeah, New Girl as well.
1: Yeah, Cece's character. Mm. So, um, yeah, so there's been, like... It got a bit quiet for the American, for the British, but mm. the Americans kind of stepped in and yeah. started showcasing us in their sitcoms.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we spoke about this at length, as I'll mention again on episode two, and we talked about the reasoning for uh, why there's been a little bit of a lack of representation and what needs to change. But most importantly for us was to try to strike a balance between the way we're being represented on television currently which for me is still all issue based whether it's terrorism fundamentalism whether it's forced marriages there's a lot of these like kind of cultural taboos that that the, most of the shows that are now representing Asians within them are centered around you know three girls you know grooming etc there's got to be some kind of controversy in order to get us on television and my argument at the time was why are we not seeing Regular Asian people being regular on television anymore, like we were basically in the, in the late '80s and the early '90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was that argument in 2018 when we first started the podcast. Here we are in 2020, and how far have we come? And dependent on that, what do we need to do as a community for us to move forward in it? And how do we want to be represented on television?
1: A lot of questions. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Multi-layered as always. Yeah.
1: So I guess we can start with looking at where we're at right now,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is the the thing that's co- like stemmed with this whole conversation. Yeah. is never have I ever coming out on Netflix, mm-hmm. and that story being about an Asian girl being a teenage girl. Yeah, not about her being an Asian girl. Yes, she uh, obviously she's, she's American.
0: So you know when we talk about the fact that you know we're talking about the British Asian community. But this is a show that's American-driven, an American show, but it does have a massive audience of people in the UK that have very differing opinions on it.
1: I think even in America there are differing opinions on it. So she is a... And I know we've spoken about this before, but in case you didn't hear that show, give you a brief overview. She is a teenage girl, 15-year-old girl... Episode
0: 51, if you want to hear it.
1: (laughs) Exactly. She's a 15-year-old girl who happens to be brought up in america she's born there she's living a very american lifestyle and she has a south indian family Mm -hmm. and that's her home culture yep and her outside culture is very much kind of typical american teenage girl yep so she's in high school and all of those kind of high school cliches that you see in all these movies and shows coming of age shows yeah All of that is in there. All those basic tropes are in that show. Yeah. Because, you know, essentially teenage girls are teenage girls, no matter what background they come from. Mm. So now, when you want to answer the question of how far have we come and the kind of representation we have, and regular people being regular people doing regular things, this is a show that I think does that very well.
0: Right, so this is, this, is, uh, this is the big topic of conversation uh, mm. amongst our circles um, on does it, basically. Okay, so I watched the show, and for me, it was a good show. Was it amazing? Yeah, but I think it's being unfairly criticized for me for um, reasoning that I can't quite understand with the show
1: see now my passion for this show is not that it's amazing no i don't think it's amazing what it, my passion for it comes from the fact that i was once a teenage girl
0: mm-hmm.
1: who never saw a teenage version of me so no, i never saw a south asian girl being a teenager on tv
0: so what um what about something like anita and me
1: as a film that wasn't even set when I was around like it wasn't set in my modern times that's set in the 70s about a girl growing up in a mining village Mm. now given that I was also the girl that grew up that was lived in a mining village I didn't grow up in a mining village but I lived there so I understood that kind of you know Asian family plonked into a random white very white community working class community and and having to deal with that I understand that Mm. and I kind of you know could relate to it in some ways but when of a teenage girl Any term me doesn't represent me being a teenager yeah, at all
0: not true
1: I, Dawson's Creek is what I was watching yeah yeah you know and that was about you know lustful teenagers and they're all really attractive and you know and I wasn't attractive when I was a teenage girl but I wanted to <laughs> kind of, I wanted to live in that world of kind of you know like lushness basically I wanted yeah, to kind yeah, of yeah. see I wanted to
0: Experienced those uh, All the hormones yeah, yeah That was
1: going on Inside of me And because I really Did fancy the boys In my school And every All of us You know All Everybody has a crush At school And I had my crushes
0: And, and none of them were Asian
1: Well no They weren't And also That doesn't really It Does it matter? No Probably not But the fact that she In this program Has crushes on Non-Asian guys You know that Again It's just something That I relate to Because I grew up In a In a community that wasn't very Asian. Mm. It was quite diverse. It was mostly white, in fact. But, and I feel like, and I don't know what the valley is like in California. I haven't got a clue. But I'm guessing from what the show looks like that it's quite mixed. Yeah, yeah. And so she doesn't come from a predominantly Asian background in her community. And so why would she necessarily hunt out the Asian boy to fancy? Yeah. I yeah. never hunted out the Asian boy to fancy. No,
0: yeah, true.
1: So, true. I kind of related to it from that point of view. But my main passion for this show was the fact that there is an Asian girl who's just being a teenager and doing teenage things. And, think- and she just happens to come from an Asian family and she goes home and she has to deal with her Asianness, like I had to deal with my Asianness, but outside of home, I didn't refer to it yeah, when I was yeah, growing yeah. up because that's not I didn't have the kind of friends where I would like be talking about it. Yeah. It wasn't yeah, yeah. relevant to my outside life. I had my home life and my school life and I think that's the kind of world she grows up in and so I identify with it as a 37 year old woman I identify 36 I'm aging myself (laughs) I'm gonna be 37 next month but you know I identify with it and I think the problem is is that there is a lot of people who are my age and older who are saying that this this is not what life is like this is not what we were like you know, no, we weren't quite so open about kissing boys and things when I was growing up yeah. because it wasn't allowed. My parents would have lynched me. But, you know, like, it's it's just them being them. It's teenagers being teenagers in the way that I wish that I could have been when yeah, I was younger. Yeah, yeah. But I can still understand, I can still remember what it was like to be that age. Yeah. And so that's why I'm very passionate about it. Because if I had a teenage daughter... I would want her to be able to see something on screen that represents her, mm. and I think that is, you know, it's lovely to see.
0: Yeah, no, it it was it for me. It was really refreshing to see uh, because we hadn't really seen anything quite close to that. Because it's, I was trying to see what was the closest comparison to that show from shows that I've kind of seen, and there's not really many like it. It's not it's not like outwardly funny like something like say the Goldbergs. Or, you know, like, you know, Everybody Hates Chris. It's not a sitcom as such. But then it's not your kind of, you know, like teen drama, OC, uh, One Tree Hill, Dawson's Creek even. It's not even in that kind of context where it's just an out and out drama serial basically focusing on teenage issues. It's kind of somewhere sort of in between. So that's the reason why I was a bit confused in exactly what it was trying to be more than anything else. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons why people are finding it a little bit... Um, you know bewildering because it 's yeah. like you know is it it 's not funny enough to be looked at as a sitcom so they 'll be they 'll be watching it saying well this isn 't really funny but then i don 't know if that 's what it 's trying to be and it's not quite in the same vein as those coming of age dramas, and so they're just like there's a few like random like uh jokes in there which are may or may or not necessarily be so funny to someone and so then they're just like, well, then those don't really quite work for me, so I think I can understand some of the the reasoning for people to be you know slightly critical of it um for me, I was like this girl's really, really annoying." But on hindsight, she's a teenager. Teenage and girls are teenage annoying. Teenage girls are annoying. No offense to all my teenage listeners out there right now.
1: I was really irritating. I was also that much of a bitch as well. She is a real bitch sometimes. Yeah. And I was, I used to say hideous things to my mom and dad yeah. when I was that age. I mean, they said some hideous things back like her mom says as well. So it was, you know, that's another thing that I could relate to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, I do, I do get your point of like, it's not serious enough to be a drama. Yeah. It's not... Funny enough to be just an out-and-out sitcom, so it's like a really light-hearted look at actually quite some some quite serious things. The way that I sold it to you, I remember, was that remember what my so-called life was like. Mm. It's like a, it's like a much much less gritty version. Yeah, about to say yeah, yeah. It's a, more, it's
0: much more of a like a PG thirteen. I mean, a lot of storylines
1: are very similar. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. You know, but it doesn't have Jordan Catalano in it. But, but you know, it's, yeah, it doesn't quite know what it wants to be, I suppose, in that yeah. sense.
0: But the thing that I think, for me, I think, which which is most, I guess, disappointing, uh, from people that have been criticizing it is saying that this show does not represent us in our community. And to, you know, certain nitpicking, basically, at parts of it. Um, you know, some, you know, justifiably, some kind of, I've heard a lot of people talking about, oh, some of the accents by some of the people in the show are like parodies and the kind of things that Apu from The Simpsons would kind of do accents like and this and that. But you know, for me, those are the kind of small little humorous moments of the show that kind of that exaggerate basically certain parts of our culture and our society. And
1: let's not get it twisted. Don't like our families, our parents have accents. Yeah. We can't get away from them. We don't like hearing them on TV, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that they don't have accents. Yeah. yeah. You know? And they're really weird. Like my mom's accent is a half Geordie, half Indian accent. Like, that's just the way it is. Like, everyone's parents who've, everyone who has immigrant parents, their parents will have a slight accent when they're talking English. Yeah. And why is it any different for them?
0: Yeah, no. You know, I'm-
1: why is it any different in these programs?
0: But it just it doesn't have to be not everyone has the same Indian accent, you know, and not everyone has the same way of speaking. Not everyone has the same way of talking. And I think this is the one thing that's come out for me for this show more than anything else is the fact that, yes, we talk about representation. And yes, we should champion the shows that are good shows. If something isn't good, then we are here to point those out. We we will kind of uh, critique it basically accordingly. This isn't a show that, that deserves that, because I, for me, it should be one of an uh, ample number of different shows about Asian communities and Asian families. And it's because it's one of the very few of them that it's got all this attention, which means that there's more people that are going to, you know, poke holes at it.
1: And also Asians being people. We're not just Asian. We are not, that, that's not mm. all that defines us. We are not just our Asianness. Yeah. In the same way that in Master of None, he's not just Asian.
0: Mm.
1: He is Asian, though. His family are Asian. He talks to his family and they, you know, they have those kind of moments where if you've got Indian parents, you're like, yeah, I get that. But then outside of that, he's just a person living his life like an everyday person. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same thing with this.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree.
1: And I think that people... What do I think the question here is? There's so many questions in this, but the winning question here is what do we expect of representation? What does it mean?
0: Hmm, yeah,
1: what does being represented mean? Do you expect every single program that features an Asian person to represent you? Now, this girl in this show is a South Indian, she's a Tamil, hmm. I'm a Punjabi. Yeah, does she represent me in terms of? I can identify with her culture broadly speaking yes hmm. specifically no i've never been to ganesh Bhuja. that's not part of my life yeah. you know i come from a sikh background and that's not something that was in my life yeah but can i understand those things can i kind of you know see parts of it and understand parts of kind of what it's like when a group of aunties gets together at a at a and a, yeah, just any kind of event and starts to bitch a hundred percent i have been that girl that they bitched at yeah. and said bitchy things about i understand that much That that's what i think we have to be able to take away from it the broad strokes
0: yeah, yeah. not
1: the very very specific things because my life story although i think it's very interesting it's probably not interesting enough to be made into a show
0: mm-hmm. right
1: and so and who's to say Mindy Kaling's life was interesting enough to be, yeah, put, exactly. you know, made into a show? But she's in a position where she can get it made, so she's done it, and she's a good writer, right? But so you know, you next door, <laughs> your life is not going to be made into a TV show, probably.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so you
1: can't expect your specific story to be the one that is on there that you can one hundred percent relate to.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know,
1: like that's not going to happen. So what does representation mean? What do you want from representation? Because our diaspora, and we call it a diaspora because it's very, very broad, you know, is huge. Look at all of the different cultures, the different countries that we have within the term South Asian. And then you look at the individual areas of those countries that have different different cultures and different ways of speaking and eating and doing things and celebrating things. It's fucking endless. Yeah, yeah. You know, we are so disparate. We're so like, there's so much going on mm. within, our, within our community. What does our community mean at the end of the day? Yeah. These are all big questions that are then raised from the idea of representation on TV.
0: Yeah, no, totally. Um, but also like, you know, w- with her story, you know, like I look at me and my life and the fact that I've grown up in a very predominantly Asian area. And the people around me throughout my childhood, most of my adult life have been Asian, you mm-hmm. know, like, and so I become a product of my environment. Now, her story is in, in Never Have I Ever is very much a product of her environment. She's not growing up in an area that's predominantly Asian. It's an American suburban community. She's an American suburban teenager. The fact that she's Asian just happens to be a side plot for me. You know, it's more about her life and how f- her friends and how they interact and her trying to get with the most popular guy in school. That could be any story. The fact that she's Asian and the fact they still touch on her cultural uh, upbringing and her roots and, you know, some of the, the, the nuances that come with it just happens to, like, be a almost a side plot into the overall aspect of the whole show. Yeah,
1: it's a bit like kind of extra meat of an understanding of yeah. who she is and what her background is, but it's not... It's not the kind of main crux of the show. The main no. crux of the show is her lusting after a boy.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And yeah. her also dealing with the death of her dad.
0: Yeah. Now, yeah. that
1: is a, it's a universal thing. Yeah, Grief is a universal thing. We all experience it at some point or another. And so it's how it's talking about her mental health. Again, how many shows featuring an Asian person will ever touch on the idea of mental health? Yeah. Not many yeah and yet this show touches on lots of different things the main crux of the program is that she's a teenager who's lusting after someone right hmm. and also dealing with the death of her dad but then you've got the side character of her mom who's dealing with being a widow and the whole idea of be of widowhood hmm. within the asian community within the indian community within the hindu community however you want to see it it's that is also dealt with in a very subtle way there's little things that are dealt with in very very small subtle ways yeah and actually in series two i'd quite like to see a bit more around that because i think actually a lot of the side characters are really fucking interesting yeah
0: of course of course (laughs) maybe
1: even more so than her and i think a lot of people have said that that she's not very likable and the people around her are flawed but they're interesting yeah and you want to know more about them
0: yeah, and I think, it, you know, obviously like a show in the UK like Man Like Mobeen, it's a t- very different show. It's completely different context. But um, with similarities in that it's a sum of all the pieces on a yeah. show like Man Like Mobeen. You, yeah. you start to take different things from all the different characters in that show. And so, you know, it's not just all about one central character. It's a show that's made up of all these different characters. And that's what makes it all the more interesting.
1: And also with a show like Man Like Mobeen, how much does that represent us? Like now I am not an ex-roadman. Yeah. You know, I'm not that person. Not I
0: know of. Yeah.
1: But you know what I mean? Like I'm not that person. But I understand. I can I can relate to that, to that show because mm. of the jokes and the kind of people. They're the kind of people that I grew up with. I knew a lot of boys like that in school. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, yeah. I used to know a lot of boys like that. <laughs> it's just it doesn't have to be about you it doesn't have to be your story for it to be able to represent you or for your, for it to be relatable.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think
1: those things get forgotten by a lot of the people who are critiquing it.
0: Mm, yeah. But okay, so the big, a much bigger question is is that for representation on TV does it need to represent your community? No. That's I think that's that's the no. Yeah, the crux of it, Because the
1: community is such a subjective thing. Who are my community? Who mm. is my community? Is it the whole South Asian diaspora within the UK?
0: Mm. Is it? I, for me, I, I feel like I'm representing the British Asian community.
1: But I just feel like that's a very, very diverse group of people.
0: It's a diverse, yes. But I think... Um I think for shows like these shows are on t v it's it they only really represent a certain aspect of our community mm-hmm. and not as a commu- our community as a whole and I think the issue that a lot of people are finding, like we've already mentioned is the fact that because there's so few of these shows on television, you almost expect it to have a representation for your whole community. But and that's not necessarily the case.
1: But it's not possible. That's yeah, exactly. my point. That's why, because we are so diverse. It's not that I don't want personally to represent the Asian community, the British Asian community, but I'm. it's not possible for me to do that yeah. because I am not everything. Mm. And in the way that these people in these shows are not everything. I am not Sikh, Muslim, Hindu, Punjabi, Gujarati, Tamil, you know, Bangladeshi, Pakistani. I'm not all of those things. Mm. And so I cannot represent everybody in a way that they would like. Yeah, But, you know, you can represent your brownness. I can represent my skin color. Yeah, And yes, but this is the thing. Like if we all have things that are in common, like our general culture, the wider broad strokes of our cultures are quite similar. You know, we all have things that we can identify with. Uh, But... If you're looking for specifics, it's not possible for one person in a show or one show on TV to represent everybody.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, and um, that should
1: that that's the expectation. I think we need to lower.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, Parley, actually, my bro, Planet Parley, mm-hmm. um, actually tweeted um uh, just after the show when this controversy was happening, um, and he actually said, "I always read about the It doesn't rep brown people, and how on earth can one series rep all of us?" rather we need to realize that if there can be a 100 different stories about white teenage girls in the mainstream that we too should have a 100 and more for brown girls and i think everyone is talking about this show and the frustrations behind it i think it's a much bigger picture in the frustrations that unfortunately because there's only a handful of shows you're you're immediately guided all of your attention to critiquing this one particular show rather than the bigger issue, which is the frustration of not having a multitude of, of loads of different programs on TV that we can sit there and, you know, critique if we wanted to, Mm. you know, we just talked about this never have I ever. And we have listed off a whole number of coming of age dramas that have come out in the last 10 to 20 years. Um, Very, very similar in, in all those aspects. Yeah. This is the only one that's kind of, I get, you know, with representation of Asian actors and an Asian cast and, it's you know, it's the same as the the films we just saw yesterday and Blinded by the Light in the same way where you've got Asian Asian central characters and, and a broader story. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we do need more of these programs for us to have a an overall opinion on the different shows, and then we can critique each of them on a on a show-by-show basis. You know, I've always spoken about the fact that there, there is a a lot of shows that have shown, um, you know, the Asian community in a positive light. There, of course, there's going to be a lot of shows on television that's going to have them as us, us represented in a negative light. Because when you do talk about shows like, you know, Murdered by My Father, or you know, The Three Girls, or you know, The State, or Informer, or Next of Kin, you know, um, even Bodyguard, there there are aspects of negativity, and unfortunately. Us, as our entire community get pulled under that umbrella um and for me, justifiably so, I'm British Asian, and so anything that's happening in all those programs that have Asian representation in it, you know that represents my community, which is the British Asian community. Mm-hmm. but you know and for what i what I want to see is I want to see a balance i want to see if those shows which for me, not so much I'm happy to see, but I'm glad that they're showcasing these, these things that are happening within our communities on mainstream television. So it opens that that dialogue and that conversation up not just within, you know, their communities, you know, the, the people that are watching these things, but also our community in what we need to do to change things within our circles to enable change and progress and stop those taboos and those real hideous things happening within our culture and just eradicate them. But we also need to have shows like this, like Never Have I Ever, like Ackley Bridge, like Man Like Mo Bean, that are showing us in a positive light that and regular stories with regular Asian people just being regular.
1: There's a reason I feel like Dev Patel was one of the breakout stars of Skins. Now, that original cast were a really good cast, yeah, but the reason that he stood out was because he was just a teenage boy, yeah, doing teenage boy things, yeah, and he happened to be Asian,
0: mm.
1: now, this is what this show is, but it's not based around mainly a white ensemble cast cast with one Asian in there, yeah, this is about her this is she is the main character, yeah. And I think that that's what we need to kind of, we need to enjoy that and we need to appreciate that and then we need to build on that. Yes. We need to grow from that. If we can make a show or if a show can be made, I'm not going to take credit for this. If a show can be made with the lead character being Asian. Yeah. And it's about her life and she's being a teenage girl and it's, you know, a, you know a coming of age story Hmm. like many others like you like we mentioned if that can be number one trending number one across the world now i know that lockdown helped it in terms of people were at home and they were flicking through what's new on netflix but if that can be trending number one across the world and
0: plus like let's not get it twisted there's been the the greatest content in the world, yeah. in the last couple couple of months, with it's- documentaries and shows and features, and so for that to surpass all the other big shows that are out right now and be the number one show on Netflix, that that says something for me.
1: Yeah, and there's power in that because that means that actually people are interested in that. They are they are interested to see, or they're not bothered by the fact that the fact that she's Asian. Mm. That doesn't put them off. Yeah, of course. And that's quite often. What commissioners will say, it's not going to speak to everybody, you know because they it's very niche, you know that she's Asian, and yeah. that we're talk about Asian things, and the mom's a widow, and oh you know and she didn't you know, and all these kinds of things, mm. they're all a bit niche, we yeah. don't really want to talk about those things, um it's not really going to sell it has sold, yeah, yeah, people love it in general, there is some criticism as everything will have you know anything that comes out will be criticized or loved like there is there's always a balance of things, yeah, but it's a start.
0: No, it definitely it's, is.
1: It's a starting point. We all have to start somewhere.
0: It's it's just it's sad for me um, that this has to be the start. I know because we've had, we've been
1: at the start for a very long
0: time. This is what I'm saying um, because you know, for like I said, Master of None and, and Mindy Project uh, and all these shows have been out in the last like ten years or so, um, and yet it's always been a stop start. And the fact that i i st- still feel that like this is like almost a continuation of those those kind of two or three shows in the States that we're, those are the ones that were initially used to build on. And this is the next kind of stage of it. But we do need to evolve from there. You know, this show was great. um, But you know, I watch a show like fresh off the boat, which has uh, a whole family, an entire cast of East Asian actors. And so, you know, are we going to get to a point eventually where we have shows like that to represent, you know, the South Asian community as well?
1: Do We need them to be 100% Asian, like, kind? Of but cast? right now, is we're necessary. Yeah,
0: but, but right now, we're all like, apart from shows like this, we're all like one actor or one character in all of these other shows. You look at Mindy, Mindy's project and stuff, it's just her, and then an, or, you know, a white ensemble cast. You see, Master of None is him, and you get his parents every now and then, but all the rest of the characters are all a diverse range of community, and that's yeah. that's absolutely fair enough and fine because. That's the community and the, the you know the society that they live in in the different parts of America that they're from. Yeah. But you know, like I would love to see a show that is you know that is talking to me. Man, that like is probably the closest one to there where you've got a predominantly Asian cast yeah. and it is and it's an extremely funny show and extremely well written. You know, but you know that's one. You know, we do need to see more of those.
1: But something like Fresh of the Boat. I'm guessing that's quite, like, a lot of those are quite, like, stereotypical type of characters, you mm. know? And so, are we going to get, like, um... A that? Citizen Khan. Yeah, Citizen Khan <laughs> type situation where we're just like, oh, for fuck's sake, like, you know, that's really, like, stereotypical, that, that doesn't represent us. Yeah. Because it's so, it's like the the white man's view of an Asian family. Yeah,
0: yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah.
1: Is that what we want? Because that's probably what we'll get.
0: But well, I look at a show like Blackish, which is, you know, a black family in America, but they don't tap into so many cultural stereotypes and, and poke hold in, uh, almost as if it's a kind of parody of itself. Mm. It's just a regular show, really funny. And it's, you know, a, a black family. There's no reason why we can't have something like that, you know, representing the British Asian perspective
1: make a good point. I'd actually really like to see the Asian British Asian version of that. I think that would be really interesting to see. Yeah. But it's finding the writer who can do that justice and yeah. not make it Citizen Khan and not make it, you know, a kind of a parody of what we are, but actually show what we are hmm. That in- and then include comedy in that.
0: Yeah, because I think one of the things that people will talk about with Never Have I Ever is because it's the number one show in the whole of the fucking world at that point, Um, a lot of people are going to be watching that thinking, is this what south asian communities alike in a way it's still representing our whole community because it's so out there in the forefront um and And
1: because there's nothing else so that's the only frame of reference some people will have yeah and so it's broadening that frame of reference Mm. it's kind of letting people know that we have multiple stories we have multiple cultures within the brownness that we have yeah you know beyond our brown skin there's a lot more to say yeah and so it's kind of giving people that understanding i suppose of here we are, but that's again—it's that age-old thing that we've sp- we t- talked about in the second episode. Mm. It was we need to get people in the positions where they can get these things made and, yeah. and commissioned. Yeah. So, like Mindy Kaling has that power now, mm. and so she can get this kind of stuff made, and she people want to work with her, and they want to hear the things that she has to say but she's worked really hard to get to that point it's taken a long time she's from the office and probably before Mm. before that she's been working steadily to get to this point it hasn't been overnight for her and again there'll be a lot of other writers who are steadily working away at the moment hopefully anyway who are trying to get us to that point
0: but we i feel like we don't or there hasn't been those same kind of opportunities for british asian writers here in the uk no there's um, not
1: because they things are dictated to them by yeah. you know the machine the machine and let's not be around the b- bush the machine is very upper middle class white and yeah. they don't understand and so they don't see the necessity to show our stories yeah yeah and i think hopefully one day that will get better but that's what we've been saying for 20 years that it'll get better and things will change and we'll get more people in that and i worked in that industry and it hasn't changed yeah and yeah. so i don't work in that industry anymore because i couldn't be bothered with it anymore but i'm hoping that someone with a bit more resilience than me <laughs> can <laughs> yeah. make it through yeah. and, you know i'm working the right departments as well but you know like we have to have those people there yeah before but, this can happen
0: but the the point the starting point with everything is good stories i think good yeah. stories and good writing and
1: original stories
0: original exactly exactly and i do I, I feel like we have like we spoke on that show with with nikesh and he he listed off like a number of british asian authors and books that have just recently written that yeah. were you know that were applauded and, and worth checking out and i'm sure that for every five of those writers there's another hundred of more with great stories and 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 great narratives. Absolutely. Um that don't get the opportunity and don't have, you know, that foot in the door in order to get their stuff commissioned to be out there on your mainstream TV channels. Um and so it's still finding a way of getting past that initial stumbling block um in order to get some of these stories heard um which we're, which we're still fighting which we're still trying to combat um but you know good writing is the the main basis point in which we can build on and so you know great stories great writers let's let's get let's get some of those stories out there you know
1: okay so in conclusion mm. final question for you in an ideal world what would representation for us on tv look like
0: representation i think for the british asian community i think is to Show people that we're not all like terrorists, fundamentalists, like people who do forced marriages, people do honor killings. You know, we're just regular people. I'm as British as Dave, who lives next door, and my stories are the same as his stories. You know, my culture might be very, very different, but I still want to watch footy on a Saturday, and I'm missing it fucking terribly right now. And the coronavirus, we're all currently locked down, we've all got basically the same stories going through the same struggles. And, you know, my story is no different to his. But where where is that showing on television? For me? It isn't. And so that's what I want to see, you know, there's no reason why a a show like Parks and Recreation, which we which we've watched, you know, like, religiously the last couple of years yeah and the actor in there aziz ansari playing a character called tom haverford now anyone could have played that role it's aziz ansari playing it why where is the regular asian people for us on television i don't see it
1: yeah people who just get to be themselves and not have to embody their asianness yeah that's what representation looks like me because we i do not on a daily basis embody my Asianness. yeah but i do act myself Mm. and i do the things that i like and i have had a you know an upbringing that's not the same as yours
0: very very different
1: you know i grew i did grow up in a in a shameless kind of land where you know (laughs) i grew up in a in a council estate in newcastle you know that's where i spent most of my life because we had a shop there stereotypically I was the daughter of a a shopkeeper (laughs) so now there is stereotype in my family my family do have accents my parents and my dad and my mom like my mom and my dad both have accents Mm. there's a stereotype there but other than that I think my childhood was very unstereotypical. so and there's, there's such a diverse like kind of world out there of people with various different. No two
0: Asian is the same.
1: Exactly, <laughs> exactly, and that I think is what we all need to remember. Not all of us are brought up in Asian areas in a community. You know, doing community things, and you know, and just being surrounded by our Asian-ness Yeah. And so, if that's shown on TV, if someone who lives outside of that is shown on TV doesn't mean that that doesn't exist. My life, if I, even when I explain it to you, it kind of blows your mind, the craziness of it all, right? In terms of how different and how not Asian it was. Yeah. In the same way that you growing up in Southall is completely alien to me. Being surrounded by Asians all the time was completely alien to me. Yeah. This is the world we live in. We have to try and understand each other's differences. Of course. So this is a marriage. This is just me and you. Imagine what the world is like well yeah you know and all the differences out there and i think that's what we need to kind of get used to is seeing that there will be representation there will be asians on tv but they will not be telling your specific story exactly. because your story might not be that interesting <laughs> and you've got to live with that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Amen. end of run
0: <laughs> well let us know your thoughts uh, people um you know there's a you know and i've seen over social media and twitter a lot of the um you know the, the controversy that's surrounded this particular show um everyone's had their opinions let us know your thoughts you know what do you want to see how do you want to see us being represented on television are we being represented enough You might even think there's too much of us on television currently and you you want to get these Asians off your set because I'm surrounded by them all the time. Why do I need to see them on television as well? So yeah, let us know your thoughts. Give us your feedback. Let's open that conversation up and let's discuss because this is a subject that we can go on to for years and years and it probably will be years and years and we'll still be saying the same thing. Right. Well, that's enough for this episode of the Native Immigrants. We'll be back next week for more of the same. I'm Swami Barakas.
1: And I'm Jojo B.
0: And we'll see you all then, people. Peace.
1: See ya.